The Holy Gospel according to John, the first chapter. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I come baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated is anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. A few years back, I was doing my CPE residence on the streets of San Francisco, which meant that I wore my collar and walked through the neighborhoods from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and we would have a conversation or a prayer with anyone who came up to us and um, wanted to talk. So there was one evening in particular, very early on, I think I was still getting used to the feeling of the collar, and they came up out of the shadows of a dark corner and recognized us. And they began telling us about their story, about their life. And we started talking about resources and the very practical details. And you know, this person was already connected up and knew that they were on the waiting list for Jazzy's Place, which is a, um, a shelter that serves lesbian, transgender, um, gay people with beds. I remember feeling quite struck in this conversation because at the end of it, this person asked us all to circle up and hold hands and to pray together. And they asked us to offer something each up. And I, I think the beginning pastor formations of words were just starting. And this person concluded all of this with a beautiful, inclusive image of God. And in this circle, in this dark place on the street, there was both a witnessing of the great despair of a human condition and then the great hope and possibility of what could come ahead. I think discipleship in this style of Jesus holds both these pieces, gathering us all together 
a couple at a time and then more. And we circle up and give thanks and ask for protection, marking this space as holy. And we bear witness as disciples to the hardship and the hope. John's testimony in our gospel today takes the form of a story. He sees what has happened, retells the story, and there is weight to this bearing witness. He weaves this story together on the course of days, gathering time to enter this great story of the one who claims us with a name and with a life together. And we do not know where we will go, but we know that this story will lead us to vulnerable places because the story ultimately leads us to the most vulnerable place. Discipleship following the life and stories of Jesus does not protect us from this world, but it brings us face to face, heart to heart, eye to eye with the injustice of the world and gives us something more. Because when you love someone, you not only risk your own heart, you risk the other person's heart too. One of my undergrad professors embedded this in a lecture in a class he called love, but it was also modern religious thought. And such a little phrase has embedded into my consciousness for quite a while. It stuck with me more of a majestic view on romantic relationships at first. Um, and then it changed to hold the weight and responsibility of risking a beloved's heart. I hear this phrase now with different ears, with experiences that have shaped me and called me out and broken my heart open to the tremendous responsibility of the great love in this world. There is a responsibility that love calls us into for the sake of the world and for the heart of the world. There is weight to this love and it's more than a sweeping romantic gesture or feeling. It's a tremendously vulnerable thing to live this life with love. Our gospel stories are stories of love. And John, today we hear someone testify, which is a powerful word to describe giving evidence of what someone has seen. John bears witness to what he has seen, what he has been told in the baptism of Jesus. He says, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This person, John, in our story, who has been baptizing people, tells the story of what happens and retells the story of Jesus' baptism. Our gospel storyteller recognizes Jesus again the next day coming toward him. And in his excitement, he tells the story again to someone else. He shares testimony, a way of bearing witness to what has happened yet again. John himself is a baptizer with quite a following of people himself. In the gathering of people, he exclaims again and points his own followers to Jesus, and they follow him. And Jesus, you might uh, pick up that he hasn't said anything at this point. He's a quiet figure. And John is the one that's doing the talking and exclaiming and passing on the news of who Jesus is. So these two disciples of John start following Jesus. And only then does Jesus turn around and ask them, what do you want? 
which is a very funny thing to say to a couple of people following you. They ask Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, where are you staying? Which is a question I think we might come up with. And the next thing he says will change the course of their lives forever. Come, Jesus says, and you will see. In my hearing of the gospel, I wonder, did they know where they were going? I wonder, did they know what would unfold in the course of this invitation? Come, Jesus says, and you will see. As they followed Jesus, did they know the full depths of where they would go, what they would see? Did they know what promises were being made in that invitation? Did they know they would see a birth of newness of life? And were they following Jesus then to a life of peace? Or did they also know that they would follow him to a trial and witness the excruciating pain and suffering of death at the hands of the, hands of the Roman Empire? Come, Jesus says, and you will see. You and I, as followers in the way of Jesus, do not know where this beckon of come and you will see will take us in the course of our lives. We have the story that has seized us, claimed us by the one who knows our name. The waters of baptism and the journey of this life make that irrevocably sure we are known and claimed by God. It is the beckon here, an invitation, and the way that leads us to tremendous vulnerability to both see the world as it is and to recognize the hope in the world. There is an opening of courage in the invitation to come and see. The world is beautiful and it is painful, and we too are beautifully made and open to the pain of this world. And Jesus invites us to see with eyes wide open this reality. Last week in my ordination, Pastor Jeff Johnson said, you are part of an ancient legacy, a great litany of saints, a lineage of pathfinders and dreamers and sages who have been made a way where there was no way forward, which is always the case for discipleship in the style of Jesus. And he's not just referring to me. You and I stand on the shoulders of giants. Discipleship in the way of Jesus is witnessing the story of Jesus, the story of a man who taught his followers, who hung out with sinners and offended many people, and ultimately became so vulnerable in the powers of this world that he died. And yet the powers of this world were not enough to overcome him. This is the kind of discipleship we stand in. Being witnesses and bearing witness to this story leads us to vulnerable places, places that risk everything we have. Front and center in my mind this week is the prophetic witness of the civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr., who lived a life of immense vulnerability in his work of justice and equality and love. And the way he gave testimony, the way he gave witness, not only held firm to a love of God, but a real, true, and difficult witness to the injustices of this world. He witnessed that even in his time and place, the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning was the most segregated time in America. He witnessed the pain and the suffering of people who lived in poverty. 
and he became greatly vulnerable as he shared these truths in the world and shared the promise of God known through Jesus. He gave prophetic witness to racial equality, poverty, pain, and lived tremendously vulnerable. And it was not all that he saw in the world. Dr. King also saw love. And in his letter um, that he wrote to uh, Paul, he writes, the greatest of all virtues is love. It is here we find the true meaning of the Christian faith. This is at the bottom of the meaning of the cross. The great event on Calvary signifies more than a meaningless drama that took place on the stage of history. It is a telescope through which we look out into the long vista of eternity and see the love of God breaking forth into time. It is an internal reminder to a power-drunk generation that love is most durable power and that it is at the bottom of the heartbeat of the moral cosmos. Only through achieving this love can you expect to matriculate into the university of eternal life. You and I, as followers of Jesus, are called to see the pain and the suffering in this world. And come, Jesus says, and you will see with eyes of love you will see with eyes of love people living in tents in people's park and hear about massive destructive wildfires and climate change, and you will stay current and relevant with the world's pain. As disciples in the style of Jesus, we see the brokenness of relationship, and we witness uncomfortable, unbearable truths about the world we would rather not see and truths about ourselves that are better hidden away. Come. Jesus says, and you will see with eyes of love, you will see this great love, the kind of love that sweeps us away, that smashes powers of this world, that gives us more agency and more power to act and care and show up in creative resistance and give voice and follow through to large monumental dreams. And you will see vulnerability in this life. You'll be part of the heart aching depths and you will be part of this story. Thanks be to God.